Schultz and his parents. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Nick. Well, I'm excited to be with you this morning. Uh, I hope you're excited to be with me. We're in a dangerous spot. And the danger is this, that I'm a, I'm a preacher who, who loves and feels the, the glory of God when I'm sharing the word, who hasn't been in this pulpit for four weeks. So you got to know that like, my heart is just full. Here's, and here's the thing. I want to thank everybody who filled in for me over the last four weeks. I think they did a, the, the men that did that did a phenomenal job. Not, yeah, yeah. Not only, not only bringing words of encouragement and words of strength and accurate uh, understanding of the word, but really like connecting our hearts and anchoring our hearts in the Lord. I mean, ti- timely words, all of them. So thank you, thank you, gentlemen, if you can hear my voice. Um, I'm just so grateful to have a team like this. And it's good, it's good for my soul and probably for yours for you not to hear me all the time. Uh, but you get to hear me this morning. Um, and I don't know where you're at. You, you might be ready to, to worship. You might be here early so you can go home and take a nap and be ready for the game tonight because it is really hard in Buffalo right now to have our hearts anchored in anything else other than the Bills. And maybe, maybe you don't care. Maybe that's why you're here early. You just don't care. But here's the thing. When the Bills are doing bad, it's really easy to have our hearts anchored in heaven, right? January, January 1st comes and we don't, we don't care anymore. Like We're just ready to like, get the year on and do, do corporate prayer and all that kind of stuff, but there's this like vying for our hearts that's happening right now. And uh, I just want to, uh, we're going to talk about having our hearts anchored in heaven. In fact, I had a series, uh, we were going to continue the Mighty series in the beginning of January, uh, and I still have three messages like locked and loaded and ready to go on that, and I'm excited. We'll, we'll preach those some other time. And then my intention was, you know, right about now to start a series uh, on covenant, which I, I got f- at least five messages on that, and I'm excited about that. I think God is a covenant making covenant keeping God and as we understand the covenants that he's made with his people we understand who he is and we can see the the Macaulay it's so good to see you man welcome back um we anchor our hearts uh in the Lord and we can see who he is in covenant and I'm ready to preach that and I go to like finalize a message for today on Monday and the Lord's like I don't want you to preach that right now and I'm like great I'm I'm good with that now like I don't have to do it I got so right now I got eight in the bank and as soon as I said yes to him this, uh, on Monday morning, he, he gave me in about 15 minutes an outline in scripture for three messages that I believe is a, I believe is a word of, for the Lord, not only for this church, but for this region, uh, for this nation, for the church at large, because he is desperate for his people. And I think this word is important because there's been so much exposure, so much shaking that has happened in our world, even, even in the last week, where, where people are disillusioned with what we have, even believers have put our trust and faith in. We're wondering, where do we go for the truth? And I think this is what God is saying. If we will allow for that shaking, we will allow for that exposure, and we will humbly admit that we are not where we ought to be as, as believers. That God, if we just, and it, it's really not to shame, it's not to like prove us wrong, it's, it's just God, I, this is not working like I read in your word, this is, I have been closer to you in the past, there's some things in my heart that need realignment with you, that if we will recognize that exposure as not to shame, not to guilt, not to disillusionment, but to really, the, really an invitation to his presence, that we will enter into as a church, as a people, individually, 
as, a, as, a, as the church in the region, even in the nations, that we will enter into a time of the greatest intimacy that we have ever known as a church. Yes. And, and, and personally. If we can, we can see that the solution is in Jesus alone, if we can wait on Jesus, on his process, if we can wait on his presence, I believe we'll see the, the greatest season of vision and intimacy and power that we've ever seen. And so I want to just take a minute and just, what would it look like? Just dream with me in a minute. You can close your eyes if that helps you or keep your eyes wide open. What would it look like to have the greatest vision and intimacy and power that we've ever known in our own lives and in the church? For this, for this church, but even in, like around the world, what would it look like? I think if we, if we could envision what, what vision and intimacy and power really looks like, it's something that we could live the rest of our lives in pursuit of. But here's, here's the question. What would it take to get there? What would it take to get there? Deuteronomy chapter 2, 24, or chapter 4, 24, chapter 4, verse 24, says this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. Other versions say consuming fire. Now, when we think about jealous, most of the time we think of it in the negative. It's somebody who's needy, somebody who's proud, somebody who has a a hateful or hurtful domination of other people. But here's what I want to say. God's jealousy and God's consuming fire is not about his need. It's not about him being proud. It's not about some kind of hateful domination, but it's actually about his blessed dominion. See, when God is jealous for us, when he's a consuming fire, he's not looking to swallow us up in him. He is looking for us to be consumed with him as well so that he can deliver the greatest blessing of his kingdom, the greatest blessing of knowing him, so he can deliver what humanity has been longing for and what he has been longing to deliver us into through relationship. God, Tony Evans said this, and I think it's, it's really, really powerful. Remember, the one thing that God cannot do is be second. The one thing that he cannot do is be second. The implication of God's identity as a consuming fire or God's invitation to re- is, is God's invitation to relationship with him for us to be his people. If he's a consuming God and a jealous God, what does that mean? It means he wants us. He wants all of us. He's not going to settle with a little bit. He's not going to settle for like, yeah, like I like you and I, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll kind of do that religious thing. God is a consuming fire. And when we start to play with him or mess with him or listen to him or be with him, it, it, there's this sense that he's not going to stop until he has it all. And it's not because he just wants to swallow us up. He wants to bless us. He knows that in, in us having all of him and him having all of us, we live the greatest potential of what he had created us in humanity to live and to be. So if we're going to look at God being a consuming fire, what's the implication of that if he wants us? The implication is an invitation, a divine invitation that he gives us to be with him. I want to do this by looking at the original invitation. Have you, ever, have you ever messed up on an invitation, like you received one, you didn't read it real clearly, and you weren't quite sure, maybe there was like some conflict, you knew you had an event that night, but you and your husband or wife didn't really coordinate on the times, and you have to go back and look at the original invitation? Have you ever had disagreements about that? My, one of my greatest fears as a, as a pastor is missing the time that I'm supposed to do a wedding or a funeral. Like, I have dreams about that. In fact, I, I remember uh, doing a wedding for somebody who's actually quite close to me, and uh, we were at the rehearsal the night before. Literally, like, like, we were leaving. I said goodbye. I said, we'll see you tomorrow. And I said, I'll see you at this time. And they said, yeah, we'll see you then. 
I got the time wrong. And I didn't realize it till about an hour before. And so I got to the ceremony. I like to be there early. I like to pray with the bride and the groom and, you know, make sure they're set so that I'm a calming influence on all that's going around. And I'm walking in 20 minutes before the ceremony. To, not to hear. Like, here's okay. This is a whole new venue. Like, I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. I do not like to miss the invitation. But I want to look at Jesus' initial invitation to be his disciples, to walk with him, to walk in his presence. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 1. So in verse 35, this is going to be the, the theme scripture that kind of takes us all the way through. So we'll see three invitations here this morning, and here's what it says. The following day, John was standing, again standing with two of his disciples, John the Baptist, two of his disciples. Jesus walked by, and John looked at him and declared, he said, look, this is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around, and he saw them following, and he said, what do you want? He asked them, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And what did Jesus say to them? What was his first invitation? He said, come and see. That's going to be what we're talking about this morning. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, and looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of Jonah, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Come follow me. Second invitation. First is come and see. The second is come follow me. That will, Lord willing, be next week. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about his name as Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Peter replied. He's already operating in the invitation that Jesus had. You see that? As disciples, we get the invitation. He doesn't even have, like he hasn't walked with Jesus that long, but he's already saying, I'm going to just say what Jesus says. I'm going to invite people into what Jesus has invited me into. He says, come and see for yourself. And as they approach Jesus, there's a... He said, There's, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? Listen, here's the, the third invitation. You will see greater things than this. I tell you the truth, you will all, catch that, you will all see heaven open. And the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. That's the third invitation. It's to see and experience all of us, the power of God, and open heaven. What does it look like? We're going to talk about that, Lord willing, week three. The first invitation is this. It's to come and see. In order to respond to Jesus' invitation, are you guys with me? Am I, preach am I preaching too slow? Do I need more caffeine? All right, good, good, good. All right. Sorry, it's been a while. I want to make sure we're still in the flow. So the first invitation is to come and see. Jesus tells us, come and see. In order for us to respond to the invitation to where Jesus wants to take us, he asks us first to see. It's an invitation to see reality. When we see Jesus, we see reality, right? When we see Jesus, we see the Father. That's what he said. When we see Jesus, we see what it looks like for heaven to come to earth. When we see Jesus, we are seeing accurately into what is God's intended plan for humanity. But here's the truth. So much of what we see and perceive is not accurate. The first problem is there's so many things to see. 
right? Like, have you ever gone to Disney World? If you, you can spend all day looking at details. These people have thought of stinking everything. Like, you go to Darien Lake and you look at it once, you're like, okay, this is, this is it, it is what it is, right? I hate that phrase, but there's not much deeper into Darien Lake. If you, and you're, you're almost afraid to look too deep, right? Like, if I go behind the counter and see what's going on there, I might find some stuff that might not want me to, you know, lead me to think I should eat here or even send my kids here. I, I probably don't want to look at the maintenance logs, for Darien Lake. No offense, maybe I should change that when we're broadcasting because I don't want to be sued for defamation for Darien Lake. We love Darien Lake, right? It's where we go to play. But here's the truth. You can look as deep as you want to. You can observe everything at Disney World. The deeper you dig, the more you're going to find some pretty incredible stuff. They, they have thought of everything. And so the truth is this. There is so much for us to see and perceive. We have spent so much time as a people with media and social media especially to, to, to see. And the truth is, most of it is not anchored and based in reality. I want to challenge us as a people to be committed to seeing only Him. The beginning of this year, the Lord asked me, would you go on a social media fast? And immediately the enemy came and said, if you don't know what's going on with the people that you serve, you will not be able to serve them well. And immediately the Spirit of the Lord, so gracious, said to me, Josh, do you really think that if you spent three, four weeks with only me and came out of that that you would be missing anything? Do you think that you would encounter people and not have the answer? Do you think, do you think that, that you wouldn't be sensitive enough to me that when, when, when it's time to minister that I wouldn't give you exactly what you need? Because here's the truth. Whatever anybody's experiencing is not always based in reality. But heaven is reality. Jesus is reality. We can sit with him and only hear from him and he will give us everything we need. Because his truth is the truth. And it is the reality of heaven and the reality of earth. And so the challenge to you is this. It's the same challenge the Lord gave to me. Would we be as a people willing to shut off media for a little bit? Would we be willing to put away social media? But I I won't be able to... What? I might miss what? Somebody's birthday? Who cares? If you know it's your birthday, call them. Right? Social media happy birthdays are nice, but they're not the best. Right? I'm grateful. I just had a birthday for all of you that commented on my social media. That was the one time I went on to say thank you. But I really like the people who texted me personally. I mean, like, there's no, there's no categories. Like, everybody take a breath. But do you know what I'm saying? What would, we, what would we really miss if we, if we put away alternate news? The news that we like, right? The filters that we have. Here, here's what I'm at. I'm challenging you to join me in a media fast. Why? Because many people right now are thinking, even with this call, that you see, that you see things just fine. We, think, we always think we see clearly, right? Our reality is reality. It's not true. This isn't a new phenomenon. Jesus spoke to the church at Laodicea in Revelation. Jesus himself, listen to what he says. This is how he introduces it. Revelation 3.14. This is a message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning, or some, some versions would say the source of God's new creation. This is the one who has it together. This is the one who sees it like it ought to be seen. What does he say to the church at Laodicea? He says, you say I'm rich, I have everything I want, and I don't need a thing. Does that sound like some of us sometimes? Sounds like some of us right now. And you don't realize that you're, listen, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. 
So I advise you to buy gold for me that's been purified by fire, then you'll be rich. Buy white garments for me so you'll not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. Verse 19, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I, listen, look, look. I stand at the door and knock. We preach this as a, a salvation message. This is not a salvation message in its original context. It's a message to the church. Look, I stand at the door and knock. He, he, it's the divine invitation to see he is here knocking at the doors of our hearts. Why? For intimacy. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I'll sh- we'll share a meal together as friends. It, but what it starts with is this, an, uh, an admission that we are a broken people, that we need to see accurately. How do we see accurately? You want to know how to see accurately? Anybody interested? Okay, good. <laughs> Otherwise, we just end now and get out early. So three, three things really briefly. How do we see accurately? Turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. We know that this is the, the hall of faith. This is God speaking about the people who had walked with him. And who have, who have operated in faith. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 and, and through 16. He's just st- talked about some of the people who had walked in faith. Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob. And then he takes kind of this aside and he explains what does it mean for these people to walk the way they walked. It says this in verse 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it and they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on the earth. Obviously, people who say such thing are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland and that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Three things, if we're going to see accurately. The first is this, we have to look forward. Scripture says we look forward. The, the scripture here says they saw it from a distance. It's not right in front of us. It's not one day at a time. It's a willingness to say, God, you show me what forward looks like. You show me what future looks like. And I'm going to anchor my heart, not in what I see right now, not, not even in what I've experienced in the past. I'm going to anchor my heart in where you're taking me because that is the reality that, ought to be, uh, that I ought to live in even now. Yeah. Hebrews 10, or 11, 10 says this, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Now when we read about that, what, what's some of the imagery that we think? What da- Abraham was looking forward to a city designed and built by God. We might think it's Jerusalem, right? That would be a decent, accurate thing. We might think that it's the new heavens and the new earth, that he's anchoring his heart in the reality of heaven and Abraham, by faith, saw something that, that we see in, even in the book of Revelation. That could also be a very true interpretation. But there's another interpretation as well, that, that the city that he was looking forward to, designed and built by God, was a group of people gathered together under the rulership and the authority and the anointing of God, living in such a way that it reflects the glory of God even in the earth. Why? Because God was calling Abraham not just to live in a place, but he was calling him to have generations of people who would know who he was, who would call God their God, who would be a demonstration of what it looks like to be the people of God. God is calling us as his people to live and be the city of God, the city on a hill, the light that cannot be hidden, that we would demonstrate what it looks like for people to walk with God and the glory of God to fill the earth through his people. Abraham was looking forward He refused 
to look back. He refused to take the reality of what he was seeing now or what he had experienced and make it his reality. His reality was forward. The second thing is this, long forward. If we're going to see accurately, we have to long forward. What does it mean? The, the scripture says they welcomed it. There's a big difference between hearing something saying, yeah, that's true, and hearing something and let it sink into your heart. That's what Abraham did. He welcomed it. He received it. He allowed it to dwell with him. He longed forward, and he refused to long back. Scripture said he could have longed for the country he came from. The truth is this. Abraham and his father were very well-to-do in the nation that they were in. They could have lived in Ur. They could have lived in Haran. They could have lived in those places. They could have settled there, and they could have done it well. They could. How many of you know when you got, a, when you got some money, you're feeling kind of good? Right? Like, like my brother tells me that he, when he was working in the restaurant business, he called them hundredaires. When people would get a little bit of money, they stopped showing up for work, right? I'm a hundredaire, things are great, but that money runs out really quick, right? Abraham didn't have money to run out. He could have said, I- I'm just going to go and live that life. I'm going to be blessed and prospered, and I'm just going to kind of walk through this world this way. But he didn't long for what was. He was willing to look forward. Hebrews eleven sixteen. but they were looking for a better place. They were looking for a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. A longing in our hearts, if we're going to see accurately, we can't long for the things of this world. We've got to long for the things that God longs for. We've got to long for his purposes in our lives. Otherwise, we will get distracted and we'll stop and we'll stay where we're at. When God wants to pour more and more out on us. If we're going to see clearly, we cannot see clearly when other things have captured our hearts because it's a filter that keeps us from the reality of God. And the third thing is this, they lived forward. They lived forward. If we're going to see accurately, we have to be willing to live forward. We can't just see it. We can't just receive it in our hearts. We have to put it into practice. Jesus, in inviting people to come to him, he would always invite them to come to see and then to do. We have to put it into practice. If our hearts are going to be anchored in Christ, if we're going to see clearly, we can't just be hearers only. We've got to be doers of the word because as we do it, we see more and more clearly. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads in the earth. This earth and this reality is not our home and not our reality. And we have to stop living like it is. Scripture says this, we live by faith and not by sight. We live by believing and not by seeing. Let me explain that really quick. Hebrews 11, just a little bit earlier, 9 and 10. And even when he reached the land God promised them, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and so did Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward, like we said already, to a city whose eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. We live by faith and not by sight. How many of you heard that scripture before? Let me give you, I think, what is a really good interpretation of that scripture. Oftentimes when we read that scripture, we think, of course, I, like what's around me, you know, my natural vision isn't everything that's there, so I'm going to live by faith. But let me say this. Even what people see spiritually is not how we walk. There are a lot of prophets over the last couple months that have prophesied what would happen in our political system and about Donald Trump that have been absolutely wrong. These are guys that are accurate. These are guys that are in love with Jesus and women that are in love with Jesus. These are people who in the past have done a really good job speaking what God's saying. But here's what I would say. Even what we see spiritually is not how we should walk because what we see, see and receive spiritually, even accurately, requires the interpretation of faith. Let me explain to you. How many of you read Revelation and know exactly what it's saying? 
But how many of you would agree that Revelation is the truth? It is an accurate telling of what is happening in heaven and what will happen. It's an accurate revelation of Jesus Christ in the earth, right? It's true. Every single word of it is true. But it still requires faith to interpret it because people can look at it and they can take anything they want out of it. It requires a faith in the reality of who God is for us to have something that we can walk and live by. So even when somebody prophesies, we're seeing and hearing uh, dimly. We're not catching the whole thing. If it's going to be useful to us, it's got to be by faith. Abraham, when he saw what he saw in the land that he walked in, did it by faith. Chris, if you want to come, we'll, we're going to close right now. It's time for us to see clearly. And we are only going to see clearly as we see him. As we look forward, as our heart isn't captured by the things that are around us or even the past, and as we are willing to live it out, walk by faith. See, seeing clearly is, is the first step, and it's super important. It's super important, but the time is here and the time is now that we are to anchor our heart not in what we see, but what we believe. Who is God? So when we hear something, hopefully we're going to stop hearing some social media for a little while, let's say two weeks. So our hearts will become anchored back in. When we see those things, that we filter them through, who is God? Who has he declared himself to be? What's his nature? We've been singing about and talking about it, reading about it in scripture all morning. He's good and he's gracious and he's kind and he comes with mercy and he's trying to win our hearts back to him and he's doing that not because he wants to bring judgment upon us or even upon the world. He wants his, he wants his grace and his mercy to be the reality that we live with. So can we start by doing this? Can we start by admitting that we don't see clearly? Because if we can't do that, then there's no sense in going on to intimacy because we're not being intimate with the Lord. We're being intimate with our vision of him. Our, our like for what we're getting into. Let's see clearly so that when we come to the Lord and we're intimate with him, we can see what he's asking from us and we're willing to just Go there and do it. We're willing to wait on his processes. We're willing to wait on him. Next week, we'll get to intimacy, but we've got to start with seeing clearly. Let me ask you this. If you just bow your heads for a minute, we're going to close with this. If you feel like you need to see more clearly, you're willing to say, God, I, I, I've seen some stuff. I've seen a bunch of stuff, but my heart is not fully anchored in heaven. And here's how you know that whatever you talk about with people, whatever comes up, whether it's political unrest or social unrest, whether it's the coronavirus, economic uncertainty, frustrations over rules and math, like whatever comes up, people having needs, walk, walking through death, walking through new life, trying to, when anything comes up, the evidence that we are Seeing clearly and walking with the Lord is whether or not the hope that we have in Jesus is the first response that we have. If we talk about others, if something comes up and we encounter it, whether in our own lives or in the lives of others, if, if, we, if we think about other things first, if we process it other ways, if the first thing that doesn't come out of our mouths is the hope that we have in Jesus, then we are not walking by the Spirit. We're walking by the flesh. We're seeing other things and we're letting them become our reality. 
So if you want to see clearly, like you're, you're like, God, I'm desperate to know you. God, I'm desperate. To, to, I'm so thankful for the invitation to come and see. I just, I want to see. I want to ask you to make a bold declaration. Would you stand up? And I want to pray for us. Jesus, we're... <laughs> so good to be your kids. It's so good to have the invitation to be with you and to see clearly. God, I pray for you would show us how to buy ointment for our eyes and clothes and, and the gold that we need so we're not wretched, blind, blind, poor, and naked. Give us the humility to be real with you and admit where we're at and that you are the answer and the source. I pray as we turn our hearts to you and our attention to you and our eyes upon you that all other voices all other visions would fade away and you would anchor our hearts firmly in the reality and a longing for a city designed and built by you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Pray that you're blessed by that word, challenged by it, but blessed by it. Pray that you anticipate what it's like to walk through this over the next few weeks and I pray that we'd see like never before.